Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. So hi, I'm Luke Johnson. It's a pleasure to be on the Days Gone podcast today. I have a very special guest, uh, Claire Weaver of the Days Gone podcast, who uh, I happen to be married to. And apparently that gives me enough uh, credibility to be able to talk about this video game that I actually haven't played, but I've heard so much about from her. So we're going to have a a deep discussion about a, uh, I guess, like probably the most, I don't know, like heart-wrenching part of the game, you would maybe say? I would indeed. That's uh, that's a very good way of putting it. So for regular listeners, obviously, it's usually just me or I'm interviewing someone uh, who has some connection to the game. My husband, Luke, has never played the game, uh, but he has watched me play it several times. He's seen the videos of the, the cutscenes, and I have dragged him into the room many a time to be like, look at this, look at this, this is a really important part. Oh, this bit's going to make me cry or whatever. Uh, I'm sure you've seen me shed a tear or two over uh, the Deacon Sarah storyline. So I figured we would talk about that today, uh, kind of from the point of view of a married couple. Yeah, makes logical sense to me. So yeah, just for uh, for your audiences and my um, re- refresher, I guess, on the events, do you want to give a quick synopsis of how you, uh, how you see their storyline yeah. playing out? So yeah, basically what happens is at the beginning, Deacon thinks his wife is dead and has been grieving her for two years. And throughout the course of the first kind of third of the game, he comes to realize he gets some information that leads him to believe that she may have survived the horrific events that happened that he thought she perished in. And he sets out to find more information about this, all the while kind of grappling with the conflict within himself between allowing himself to grieve for her and and kind of move past it and clinging to the sense of false hope potentially not false hope, that she's still alive. And when he finally finds her, kind of a little bit by not random happenstance, but it's certainly very lucky that he runs into her in the midst of a militia camp that he joins. And you think that it's going to be this big romantic reunion, and it's not. They do share a kiss, and they both are obviously very moved by the moment, but they've each become different people and so it's a little awkward and a little stunted and they're just not quite in sync and not quite vibing and and it it kind of spirals a little bit from there and the second half of the game is all about them finding each other again on an emotional level rather than a physical level. I guess I have uh, a quick question for you is how long were they married before they were separated? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot there. Um trivia i don't know if it's specified in the game i could be wrong about that yeah i don't know i don't think it's they i mean they were together long enough that they got married but i don't think it was much longer than that like they don't age in the video game very much i mean deacon actually looks a little younger in the flashbacks but sarah looks the same age pretty much so i don't i think girls age slower (laughs) i don't think much time has passed from their wedding maybe a year yeah, because that makes a big difference in how the uh, like the separation would feel like, even if they, you know, if they 
okay, they presume each other might be dead. But, um, you know, I think about, you know, the first year of marriage, you're still really kind of getting to know each other's rhythms. Uh, at that point, you're still in that honeymoon phase where anything they do is cool, whether you like it or not. You still, you know, find the, the good parts in it. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely still like in that truly madly deeply in love kind of moment. And you haven't settled into the the kind of the rhythm and the routine of ordinary life. They're still very much in a, a heightened romantic state. Right. Although from what I've seen of uh, like how they met and things like that, they don't they don't strike me as a particularly romantic couple necessarily. They they strike me more as like a couple who just like fit and kind of are just have an ease no, together. No, 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 no. It's like Romeo and Juliet. It, they are from two opposite sides of the world, you know, like he's the kind of outlaw biker, bad boy, ex-military tortured past. And she's the sort of straight laced-ish upstanding good girl, upper class family. PhD, good job. She does have that little bit of an edge to her where she has the tattoo sleeves. Um, and she obviously dresses a little bit, a little bit uh, grungy, punk rocky kind of vibe. But the the funny thing is, you, you mentioned the kind of the, the meeting. I, that is such a good scene. That brings such a smile to my face. So basically the, the scene plays out where her car is broken down and she's new to the area. She doesn't really know where she is or how to get help. She has no cell phone service. And he pulls up on his bike and kind of clocks her, like, bending over the, the engine and, you know, he's obviously checking her out kind of subtly, which is is nice that he's not ogling her. You know, it's not like in a gross way. He's just like, oh, maybe I'll help this chick. And he pulls up and asks her for directions, completely straight face, like, oh, can you tell me how to get to such and such road? And she's just having a moment. And this is one of the things I really connect to with about her is... She gets really frustrated and really kind of mad. Like, like what the... F like, you're just stopping to ask me for directions? Like, can't you see I I'm, like, struggling here? And she just kind of almost takes it personally and, and sort of uh, gets annoyed with him, not realizing that he's kidding. And this is his sense of humor. And this is kind of how he... How he kind of, like, shows that he likes you is by being sarcastic. So it's almost like that's his love language, is that he's kind of sarcastic and deadpan and... and not mean, but it could come across as kind of like a jokester, pranky kind of way. But it's just such a cool dynamic. But they are very much like kind of oil and water in that way that she has a very different experience in life from him. And she doesn't really get his sense of humor, but she's attracted to him and he's attracted to her. And I think one of the things that I've always questioned about their relationship is why is she attracted to him? I mean, sure, he's hot. Okay, cool, bad boy biker. Like, yeah, he's good looking and he's funny and, and everything. But she is such a cool person, you know? And she she's such a, she's so a, like a badass in her own way. She's probably one of the best female characters in any video game I've ever played. So he's basically just in the game to make her look good. Basically, yeah. It should be her video game because she's really cool. And it's almost like, why... Why does she like him? Like that's a good question. I mean, maybe, um, maybe she wants to to be with someone who uh, you know she knows that she knows that she's smarter than, or, or you know, you know what I mean? Like, like that she can, you know, I, I imagine like in the academic world, like she's constantly being, you know, like challenged, you know, by all these other uh, scientists, people, or professors, or whoever, you know, and like that that probably gets 
pretty old after a while and you probably want somebody who's going to challenge you in a non brain busting sort of sort of way like she probably wants somebody who uh, or at least is attracted to somebody who could kind of open her up to the you know what else is out there in life like had she had she chosen a different path because usually you know someone who's someone who's who's smart like that and um and like you say is kind of like a well-rounded character uh you know a, a well-rounded person is sort of always you know looking for new experiences and it sounds like deacon can provide her with an experience that she just uh you know with a path she had chosen previously just couldn't have taken so it's like oh here's an extra facet i can kind of have in my life experience yeah you know besides him just being good looking and funny or whatever you know i mean those are those are pluses those are good like yeah it's not like he's not charismatic but you do wonder with the the kind of disparity between the two and sort of where they at where they're at in life and kind of what they seem to value in life it doesn't seem to mesh but you i think you're right i think you've hit the nail on the head she hasn't experienced anyone like deacon and she's smart enough to be uh, to find the adventure in that. And that seems to be very much what their relationship is kind of driven by, is this challenging of the world together. And you're right that she gets to kind of educate him. There's a whole bunch of sequences in the game where you see flashbacks where she's teaching him about how, you know, what flowers she's she's there to study and how to pick lavender and things like that and the, what it can be used for in medical research, like what the what they're doing with it, which becomes relevant later in the game, which is why you get the flashback. Um, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. I think she, she enjoys teaching him. And he, he finds an interest in those things? Because yeah. that Because that's, you know, a, a kind of an unexpected thing. You expect like a, tif- a tough biker dude to like be, oh yeah, flowers, that's what I drive over when I park. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and he is kind of sarcastic. He does make a comment, a, a, like a weed joke, the kind of plants he likes to put in tea, you know, yeah. it's like a very different kind of, kind of herb. Right. Um, but it's it's that playful way where he's kind of like joking with her and um, like very gently winding her up. Um, but he really does appreciate the knowledge that she has, and he does seem kind of you know starry eyed when she goes off on the seasonal like the Latin names and stuff. And he gets to play uh, like, oh, I'm just the 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 dumb uh, you know redneck biker who doesn't know anything. Like, stop talking Latin at me. <laughs> um, but it's kind it's sweet. They obviously do have a good dynamic, a good back and forth. Right, which you don't always get in a, a video game with a love interest. You you rarely get that. You you know, a lot of the games that I've played, if there's a love interest, it's basically because they're they're either the only female character, <laughs> so yeah. the, the, the only option, or um, or basically they're just uh, they just happen to be at the same place and and need to be either uh, you know rescued or helped or uh, or they you know need to team up or you know combine skill sets in some way but there's there's no necessarily kind of a there's no qualities that that mesh that would make it seem like a like an actual real world couple right the, i think the deacon and sarah thing is is very similar to nate and elena from uncharted in the terms in terms of they're totally different backgrounds and again she's very academic i mean she's a journalist in that but she's very um you know kind of cultured educated straight laced follow the rules kind of person and he's this wise cracking breaking the law kind of don't give a fuck but in like a cheeky bad boy sort of way 
see in in that game i always wonder kind of like the opposite like in in days gone you talk about what does she see in deacon well in uh in uncharted it's more like what does nate see in elena i always think because because he you know compared to her obviously okay you know she's a she's a journalist photographer she does you know go on adventures and things but um but i mean he can like you know he can like swing his his rope and get on some sort <laughs> he's of he's indiana and, jones yeah basically. yeah exactly he's he's indiana jones but like it's funny you say that. i mean first of all think of his uh the the next girl that comes after elena well, chloe exactly. See, i mean that's, that's the match that that's who he that, that's yeah. who you do you know but chloe's a bad girl like he's a bad boy so the energy is just gonna get double bad like you know they're just it's it's just not going to lead to anything good and interestingly as much as uh nathan drake is known as the video game world's panty dropper you find there's a there's a uh, not a collectible like a um a page in his journal i think it's in the fourth game i forget now but you can flip through the pages of his journal his notebook that he always has and you find phone numbers for all the girls that he's obviously you know got lucky with and he's it's actually really sweet there aren't that many of them and there's a flower or or something like their favorite flower written next to each one he even has like i think a few flowers like picked and like dried and taped in there which is so sweet no it is so sweet and and of of course he would do that because he keeps like detailed notes about everything because he ends up needing them but Yeah. yeah i mean i'm I'm not surprised that there weren't too many girls along the way because I would imagine his standards are pretty high. Like even even though he's like you know a a bad boy, whatever you want to consider. I don't know. Him. He seems like a girl in every port kind of guy. Like that's how he comes across as is just this string of one night stands, kind of James Bond esque. You know. I could I could see that, but I mean, um, from what he goes through, like there's uh, I don't I wouldn't imagine he has any any energy left at the end of the day to go on a date or anything like that. True. It's, you know, True. <laughs> and I mean he has like gunshot wounds to to mend. He has. Uh... And also, he's the kind of guy that is for a, for a lot of women. It's like, oh yeah, I'd like to fantasize about a, about a guy like that, but you actually wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a guy like that. Like he's he's not the marion type well that that's what you find out in the is it the fourth game of that series where he um, third game third the third they've, game they've, yeah right yeah so that's you know i mean really even even in the fourth game a little bit like he still hasn't really... oh my god the fourth game he's a terrible husband yeah exactly it's awful it's, to her right but, it, but it's one of those things like he's he doesn't mean to be it's just like he, i don't think you know in that game like he's still sympathetic um because he uh you know he's trying to you know, both sort of like do it for his his brother, but also like to kind of his get brother back who to... didn't exist previously. Yeah, and and kind of was a that. concoction <laughs> that yeah didn't need to be... right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can we can do salty Claire's opinion on Uncharted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could probably right exactly. You could have a whole series on that, but um, but no, you know the the thing was in that game he was trying to uh, kind of find himself again as well. Um, There's a lot of yeah, kind of the history of his relationship with his brother and with his parents and his kind of destiny that he creates for himself and like his history that he creates for himself as a means of escape from the truth. Right. So, but yeah, but basically it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make his relationship work very well. It's already been a very strained relationship from the, the other games. I mean, the second game also 
Like, what what did that do for his <laughs> relationship? Yeah, I mean, every game pretty much goes into the the times when they're broken up. The relationship happens off screen, and they break up right before the 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 next installment of the the game. It's only the the only difference is in the fourth one where they're together, and then and then he kind he of betrays her again. Yeah, yeah. He just he's just like that's the thing. He's just a fuck up. Like, as, as sexy as Nathan Drake is, he's a fuck-up, and you wouldn't want to actually be married to him. Elena is the only woman who can keep keep him on the straight and narrow. Kind of, sort of. For a while, yeah. She can, yeah, temporarily. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> and even then, she does it by basically, uh, you know, going on the adventures with him. Which she should be doing in the first place, really, because that's the that's well, the does. life he wants. Yeah, I mean, um, but she she's an adventurer as well, and that's kind of one of the things that they we've so got off topic. But that's one of the things that they connect on is that she's an adventurous type, doing it as a job, and he's an adventurous type, doing it as a criminal enterprise. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah, but but as part of his lifestyle. Yeah. And so in 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 saying that and pivoting back to Days Gone, like how. How then would you imagine Deacon was in the in the marriage? Because you don't really get to see that, do you? No, no. You see their wedding, and then it, the next flashback you see is is the the night everything went to shit. So what, I mean, what's your interpretation yeah, of if, their, what their marriage would have actually been like? I don't think I think it would have been pretty uneventful, and maybe in in one of the one of those sad kind of ways. You know, like the kind of people who get married in high school, high school sweethearts, and then that's like the peak for them. And the rest of their life is like, you know, blue collar job, couple kids, you know, not to diss anyone's life that's like that. I mean, that's fine, but it's very uneventful. Like they just seem like the kind of people that that would have a great romantic beginning. And then once the honeymoon phase wears off, like, yeah, what is he going to do? He quits the MC for her. So like, what's he going to do? Just work as a mechanic is or that something his, is that his job that's, to, yeah that's yeah that's so how he got into the mc and that's i guess implied that that's still his job i don't know i don't really know how mcs work i only know i think what they based it on which is sons of anarchy <laughs> <laughs> which is basically the mc is like a criminal enterprise and so maybe he gets his money doing that i don't it's not really specified but it is mentioned that he's a mechanic or was a mechanic uh so i guess he would leave the mc go be a mechanic nothing wrong with that yeah, my grandpa was a mechanic for like 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah know, nothing he, wrong with that. It. It's cool. And she would obviously keep her job at the lab and she'd be the main breadwinner. Would they have kids? Probably. Would she leave her job to have kids? Maybe. You think so? You... Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the maternity leave is like at Cloverdale. Like, <laughs> I don't imagine, given their ethics, I don't imagine it's very good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, that, that's, a, that's a prequel we're going to have to wait a long time for, I think. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think their life would have been i think that their, their relationship would have peaked early i think the big romance the excitement of she's this girl from another world for him who has this like super cool knowledge and the super like crazy important job and he's this you know bad boy bikers like sexy and dangerous and you know, that's cool. And then when they just settle into routine, all that becomes normal. And then what do you have? I think that it would have been maybe a kind of dull relationship after all. Once the novelty of who the other person is wears off, what are you left with? That's a good question. And do you know sort of what his uh, 
what his goals would have been after leaving the MC. Like, like no. what, what would he uh, what would he want to do with his life? Because she obviously, you know, is career, career minded. And uh, yeah, she has a career. I think he would have been a mechanic or, you know, um, he's the kind of guy that would just get some blue collar job, you know, like a um, some sort of trade electrician plumber mechanic something like that again not dissing any of those professions no but when you know you base your relationship on oh i love this person because they're different and and kind of wild compared to my life and then they settle into a normal career of being a plumber like unless he's fucking super mario brothers like it's not gonna be that exciting (laughs) exactly yeah yeah most plumbers i don't think want their lives to be that exciting to be honest you know (laughs) and she certainly doesn't want to be a princess peach right (laughs) yeah so so yeah it's a it's just a good question as to what their marriage was like but but you're, you're probably right as far as like if it was if it was just a short period of time like a year or less like you're estimating that uh you know they were still like a lot in love but uh but kind of struggling with the um the change and like how to how to cohabit and what like what their life was going to be there's also the factor that she basically got disowned by her whole family for marrying him and he it's weird i don't think this is explained very well in the game he gets disowned by the mc it's only boozer who shows up to the wedding everyone else doesn't because they kind of disapprove but he'd stepped back from the MC willingly and they'd, they'd given him the patch that says Nomad, which means he's not really affiliated. He's still a member, but not affiliated with that particular chapter. So it's like they let him leave, but then they're shunning him for leaving. But he didn't. It's also not clear, like, why did he have to step back? Is it stepping back from the illegal activities? Probably so that he doesn't get in trouble because he wants to be with her and doesn't want to end up going to prison. Right, exactly. Or, um, yeah, like like by association, like if she, if her reputation was shot afterwards, you know. And... Right. Well, let's get on to Jim, the security guard. I fucking love Jim. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of cutscenes with Jim. <laughs> I don't want to bring up Schizo again, but people shit on Schizo. Fuck me. Jim is, he deserves all the hatred. He is like a thousand times worse. I mean, he literally murdered people who were trying to get back to their families. Because he was worried that they would return to Cloverdale, and and basically break his, his like sanctuary. Yeah, it's basically if you imagine like what's the kind of the most heartless thing you could do in in a kind of a desperate situation. You know, if you just like completely didn't have any guts anymore, <laughs> like <laughs> you know your 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 backbone was was gone. Like any um, I don't know, and and also just like yeah, any sense of. Yeah, decency, ethics, any, uh, you know, you, you, you name a good quality, Jim doesn't have it anymore. Right. Well, I don't think he ever did. I mean, there's the one scene where you see him basically challenging Deacon. This is why I brought this up, because Deacon rolls up at the gates to pick up Sarah for lunch. And this guy's like, you're in the wrong fucking place. Fuck you. Turn around or I'm going to shoot you. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, this guy's jump- much? <laughs> yeah, this guy's jumping to conclusions about who Deacon is. And Deacon is so it's so funny but it's like dude you're gonna get yourself shot because he kind of antagonizes the guy in that dry sarcastic sense of humor kind of way um and doesn't he tries to explain why he's there but he doesn't try hard enough he just starts kind of egging him on he shouldn't have to explain that much of why he's there unless he's like going in for some uh you know, actual business there. Like, right. I, I don't know how like high security this place is. High, high security. High, high, high security. I mean, they basically make military bioweapons. 
Okay. And yeah. they have an electric fence. And that's why it's like the perfect hideout when Jim is there when all the shit goes down and he locks it up because they have food, they have solar panels, they have water recycling, they have an electric fence. No one's getting in there and he makes sure no one leaves. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, if you were if you were operating only on survival instincts, then that would be ideal. But it's, uh, it's still inhuman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, besides their uh, relationship, you know, prior to the, the separation, let's talk about when they found each other again. So this is a very divisive topic among fans of the game. I think a lot of people didn't expect the reunion to go the way it did, and they were very disappointed. I, on the other hand, thought it was fantastic because it felt real, and it felt like this is a married couple who have spent two years apart and thought the other person was dead. So they have emotionally moved on, you know, grieved for that person. I mean, sure, Deke is kind of still a little bit in denial, but he is grieving. And then they meet up. I mean, I just think, like, if one of us goes away for a week, like, I've taken vacations and whatnot, like, we vacation separately, and you get back after, like, a week away, and it's like, ooh, a mm, little bit awkward need to kind of get back in sync with the other person like you can very easily fall out of sync with each other times that by two years and, and probably course. yeah exactly you know besides just all of the the stress that the actual oh, situation yeah. in the world has put them through the last couple of years i mean even if they were together you could just imagine the toll that would have taken i mean imagine an ordinary marriage and then you see your partner shoot someone in the face what does that do to the relationship? They are now a different person, you know? They, they've they become a different person, and they themselves are grappling with that, you know? They are going to know that they are changing. You are going to see them changing. That's not necessarily conducive for a long-term happy relationship. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone in the game is in a happy relationship, or any relationship. I mean, you have Ricky and Addie, but their relationship is pretty new i think and also kind of problematic i think addy is more into ricky than ricky's into addy and it's sort of she kind of says oh yeah we're kind of like in an open relationship but it's very heavily implied that they're not <laughs> so it's sort of awkward and weird but i think i'm trying to remember i don't think anyone else is in any kind of relationship in the game boozer doesn't have anyone i mike doesn't have anyone Schizo. Schizo obviously doesn't have anyone. <laughs> the Colonel doesn't have anyone. Uh, Weaver and... Um, oh my god, what's his name? Corey, Captain Corey. He he was happily... So there's a, a good example of a happy marriage. You find some collectibles that show that Captain Corey had like a really good, solid, strong, loving relationship. But if she's gone i i can't remember exactly if she's dead or they got separated or something but but yeah she's she's long gone no one else is in a relationship this world is not conducive to positive relationships when you're fighting to survive i don't know how much time you have to put into a relationship because relationships take a lot of effort no absolutely and just uh you know again if you want uh you know real world i don't know insight into you know that sort of situation i mean just think of you know, our relationship during the pandemic. Think mm -hmm. of think of how that's changed. Think of um, when you uh, you're in like a stressful situation and, and basically everything you do is geared towards avoiding risk. 
Right. You know, like it's a it's a totally different dynamic. You're you're both you're both stressed out all the time, you know. And it's thinking... like low key background constant stress. You know, it's always there but you're not consciously aware of it. So it just it just sits under your skin and makes you a little bit spiky and makes you a little bit grumpy and you don't really realize it but you kind of rub each other the wrong way yeah exactly and yeah you know before long you know the only things you're you know you're doing together are you know planning how um you know how to how to disinfect everything or, yeah. or like you know you know what i mean like uh figuring out you know it's like step by step how to um basically how to still live your life in uh, in a way that can like break the monotony but still you know being very uh very tied to you know to one sort of you know set of rules to survive by and there's also the idea of i mean we haven't really had to deal with this but in relationships you have different ideas of what those rules should be you know there could be a scenario in which a husband says no we need to order our groceries from amazon and not go to the store and disinfect everything that comes into the house and a wife might say that's stupid i'm gonna go to target i'll wear a mask but i'm gonna go to target and that's or, just a or, fucking pandemic that's not yeah. the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know imagine you you have two people in a relationship hiding out in the the fire lookout tower as you find deacon and boozer at the beginning Imagine living there, like you're in basically in a cage because they have it like fenced off in like a little square. If you venture outside of that cage, you very likely will die. But you've kind of got to go out. Well, yeah, we're gonna run out of resources. Food and yeah. stuff. So, how does that work? Do you go out together? Does one of you not want to go out? Are you scared to go out? You know, do you draw the short straw and you have to go? Yeah, and thinking of if they were, you know, in a relationship at the time, like, like yeah, say they were doing it yeah, one year into the relationship, they would kind of still be learning each other's strengths and deciding, because, right. you know, maybe you have one of them who um, is, uh, you know, maybe just has better eyesight or something. Maybe you send them out um, at night mm -hmm. or something, you know, when things are hard to see. You know, one of them is bound to be a better shot than the other. Uh, one of them is bound to be... Um, also, um, you know, one of them would invariably you know um, eat less than the other ones mm -hmm. so they'd have you know or different needs for that or uh, yeah, and also let, let's talk about sex as well because sex is something that is an integral part of relationships but imagine trying to have regular romantic connective sex where you bring to you know you you get back in touch with each other through intimacy and you're trying to do that while there are fucking zombies outside. Yeah. That ain't happening. There's no, <laughs> no. no amount of candlelit dinners <laughs> ever, uh, you know, deer you just shot out in the woods. No amount of candles are going to make that romantic and make that, uh, you know, a, a happy date night. Yeah, exactly. No, that that's true. Yeah, that that pretty much goes out the window for sure. And it also like, you know, in that situation, it also would be like the the priority of it would be so much lower and, exactly. and and then you know with that like you know when your relationship takes a lower lower priority yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to ever get that back so mm -hmm. i mean so yeah when they when they reunite and it's not like the the perfect reunion that uh you you would imagine like from any any movie you know, yeah and any any romantic comedy that also is a zombie <laughs> sort of situation yeah, it's not it's not a surprise because right. uh, you're not you're not in a romantic world anymore. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> how do we how do we end this? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how how we end it. Um, yeah, again, like not not having played 
<laughs> now that I even played the game, I don't I don't have a great deal of insight in, into that, but um Well, I I appreciate you coming in here and and um sharing a microphone with me literally. They were both using the same microphone. You know, I this is one of the things that really made the game so special for me was the the story of the relationship of Deacon and Sarah and how when you think you're going to get that movie happy ending what you are actually hit in the face with is the realities of relationships that they're hard and they take work and they take love and time and sometimes it's hard to give those things sometimes those are valuable resources that you don't have you you are hard to come by i just think it's such a a wonderful game that it explores such a a reality such a real thing through the subgenre of zombies right yeah no for sure and that you know i could tell just from watching you play it like that was sort of the moment when it went from a pastime to an obsession true that game. true because yeah. because because i and you know, i still remember the beginning when you were first playing it you know you um you were coming off of what had you played previously to that uh, assassin's to... creed odyssey odyssey that's right you know and then uh you know before that you had done um... last of us part two yeah last of us part two and then uh, together we had played the uncharted series over the past few years i played them many times but i was like dude you have to play these games they are so important to me <laughs> yeah and I, I i love video games don't don't get me wrong like for anyone out there i um you know, I think I hold the Super Mario Brothers record on Twin Galaxies, but it's a, it's a it's a very minor record. But um, do you hold the Back to the Future record as well, or you're still working on that? That one? that is a lifetime goal. I and I, can you explain what the Back to the Future game is? Because I guarantee you, nobody has played that game. But you. <laughs> you don't think so? I know. I well, okay. So uh, so basically, like every other video game that is based on a film franchise, it is nothing like the film, and it is so much worse it's also from the 80s right it's a nintendo game it is yeah it's from 89 i want to say is it super nintendo or nintendo nintendo okay so it's like really early in the you know the era of the console and the era of like the kind of zeitgeisty media video game stuff well, comparative to today yeah definitely no, definitely i mean if you yeah if you look at 80s if you look at that genre in the 80s you know, you could say that um, you could say something like E.T. for the Atari 2600, you know, really kind of set the bar for where <laughs> <laughs> it definitely set a bar. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, it, it's like at least like in my opinion, um, you know, making a video game out of a movie always is bad and making a movie out of a video game always is bad. For some right. reason, two things that really should go together. Um, do not. Ne- they never do. It never quite works out right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah. In in the case of Back to the Future for the NES, that's very true. the The game has very little to do with the movie and is like immensely frustrating. And I I remember playing it as a kid. My friend Steve had it um, over at his house, and I would go over and play it, and I couldn't figure out why I would die right away all the time. I I you know it it was a very unintuitive thing. It's like oh, I had to walk over all these clocks, then I don't die. You yeah, know. so to describe it, and I, I, I've seen you play it, but I don't know all the intricacies of it, so I'm going to do a bad job of describing it. But it's kind of a vertical side-scroller in 3D, air quotes, kind of, sort of. Some of it, um, the minigames are. Yeah, and you have to you have to not run out of time, so you have to collect clocks 
save you from running out of time. You also have to dodge people throwing bowling balls at you, killer bees, men carrying sheets of glass, potholes, trash cans, and something else kills you? Hula hoop girls who throw darts. That's it. Hula hoop girls that throw darts. How could I forget that? Well, it's an important part of the movie, too. Yes, yeah. And it, it does have, at the end of every level, it has a little mini mission, or, or kind of, I guess, a boss level, where you have to complete a, a bonkers task. I mean, the tasks, actually, when you know what to do, make sense, and they are actually a little more themed around the movie. But to figure out how to win those levels, how to how to complete the the little mission... I don't know how you figured that out. Yeah, well, I remember figuring out it was the yeah the summer of two thousand five. I had finally found an NES again, and I had a copy of this game, and I figured out how to play it because I, I only had two games for that. I had that and Super Mario Brothers that summer. Well, I guess <laughs> I don't I, know why I, you I, didn't just play Super Mario. <laughs> well, I mean that's why I got good at that game too. But um, yeah, I just sort of figured it out by trial and error. But it, it was so frustrating, like figuring out. You know, the first couple are kind of intuitive. You stand in the way of. You know, it, like the first thing you're throwing milkshakes at the bullies. To stop the bullies from, yeah. And the from second, to you. you know, the second one you have a book and you're trying to stop the hearts that Lorraine is throwing at you to try your to, mom, <laughs> right? You know, um, but then, um, then after that, it gets a little weirder. The with... guitar one is really difficult, where it throws different notes at you, and you're on stage playing Johnny Be Good, and you have to like lift the guitar up or to the middle or lower to catch the note. Right. But it's like depending on what the note is. If not it's where it's positioned. Exactly. You have to move the guitar to the right place. No, that's exactly right. Well, actually, you have to also do it in the right position. You, you have, oh, to, you okay. have to wait See, until... See, I would the... not. I don't have the patience for this game. It took me so long to beat that level because I couldn't figure out what they were wanting me to do. And it, and it was so... Fr- and then it tells you, like, sorry, Marty, you've got no rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck you, game. You have to start yeah, over. Yeah, I think those are my exact words. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so I, you know, I love older games like that and I love... Uh, you know, sports games and, and things of that sort. Tiger Woods. 2004. No, 2004, 2005, 2000. However, <laughs> you played like all of them. I played all of them, but 2004 is the only one that has a special place in my heart. But yeah, so, you know, that's sort of my gaming background is, uh, you know, yeah. sports games and then games that demand a lot of, um, I don't know, what do you want to call Repetitive. it? Repetitive. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, Trial like, and error. Patience and, and having like super good timing and control. And that, you know, that, that, that's what I like to think of it. And then when I started playing the Uncharted series with you, you, it, you didn't, it took you like three games to really understand how that works. Well, I just wanted to like fight everybody with my fists. That's no, all I wanted to do. Oh my God. <laughs> Every time you would do that, I'd be like, stop just trying to punch the armored guy with the shotgun who's blasting you in the face. You are not going to win this with your fists. And you're like, no, but I want to try it. I'm like, no, stop. Because look, now you've died. You died again. Yeah. I did actually kill one of those. You have guys no doing rhythm, that. Marty. Yeah. I know. In that case, I didn't. Yeah. No, and I, and I was always trying to find like ways around a lot of things. It's like, oh, yeah. Why, why would you have to go fight that guy? Why couldn't you just go back this other way and around here and then you can get to the artifact? Because he and... does that weird little can't jump climb thing animation if you try to go off the path i i I can only jump like 30 feet over a ravine i can't jump five feet over this little stone yes yeah (laughs) but i am gonna make you play the last of us but i'm gonna make you play that on your own because it's not really a game that that i can sit next to you and watch i don't think it's not like uncharted where it's very fun and fast paced like the last of us is kind of slow and steady and very stealthy, at least how I play it. Yeah, You're just going to go up and punch everyone, aren't you? I hope so, yeah. Well, the, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, we, we played the uh, the remakes of, um, what was it, Resident Evil together? Oh, the, the yeah, first, Resident the first Evil, two. yeah. 
And um, yeah, with the second remake, I'm actually physically incapable of watching Claire play that game. I get you got car sick or, or like motion sickness, whatever you call I, it. I, I did. I, I passed out. Like I, I went, um, I went to the bathroom to try to like collect myself, and I, I, I passed out. I, I woke up on the floor soaking wet because I had, I had fainted into a cat bowl. Can I tell my, my, to my <laughs> point of view of the story? So I know he played. Resident Evil 2, the remake, there's the fairly early on this um, place where you go down a, a corridor in the police station and there's been a, a leak and it's all, it's dark and it's wet, the floor is wet and it's this long corridor and it's full of like filing cabinets and there's shit in the way so you, you're just like, oh my god, is there a zombie? I don't know, I can't tell. Luke goes to the bathroom, I'm playing this this specific part and I hear this crash and I pause the game. I'm like, Luke, are you okay? Nothing. So I go into a hallway. It's dark. The light is out. The floor is wet. I'm like, oh, fuck. Is there a zombie? Shit. What is happening? Am I in the video game? Have I died and somehow been sucked into this video game? Or am I in hell? What's happening? And I open the bathroom door and there you are on the floor. Like, my clothes are all wet. And I'm like, oh my god, what happened? Are you okay? And you passed out. Because you were so, like, disoriented from the game. Yeah, and I, I didn't remember what happened. The, the last thing I remember was being in the bathroom and sort of, like, looking at the corner of the room to try to steady myself. And then, and then suddenly I'm coming in, like, what? why is everything wet? What has happened? And there's, like, the cat bowl water everywhere. And You were worried you'd cut your toe. I did cut my toe. And on you it. wanted me to disinfect it. And I was like, it's okay. And you're like, no, but you got water on. I'm like, it's fine. It's water. And you're like, but cats have licked it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, cats lick their butts, you know. <laughs> but it's like a whole massive bowl of water. It's not going to have cat butt germs, like, right in your tiny little scrape on your toe. Yeah, no, that's true. But when you're just waking up from, you know, an event you don't remember, <laughs> you know, you're not necessarily thinking the clearest about, you know, the, the, the ratio of cat butt particles to water in a bowl. <laughs> um we have gone wildly um, off topic yeah, right I, I but i remember where we were because okay because <laughs> I, I i said all this to um <laughs> this was just all to prove that um that i know what kind of games that the claire plays and when she started playing days this gone. when she stayed yeah, when she started playing days gone you weren't that impressed to begin with you were just like okay well you know they're kind of combining these things from these other games that i like but it you know it's it seems kind of derivative well, it's kind of yeah it's kind of medium like entertaining fun enjoyable but yeah kind of all style no substance yeah and, and you know you're telling me about all these games and i was like well you know i'm, I'm sure you'll like it because it's combining all these things from all these other games you'll yeah. like you know and, and i did i love i mean i was enjoying playing it yeah but, but it wasn't until the uh like the the relationship stuff started coming into it and the story part of it and then all of a sudden like like i say it was an obsession it was every night for hours i would, and it I would still come is in. every night yeah, and I, I would come in. It didn't matter how late I would come in to the house um, afterwards. You know, she's still sitting in the dark with her headphones on, playing this game, and uh, yep. you know, and then talking with me about it. The and rest then of the I'm day. like, one Saturday, I'm like, come in here and listen to this, and I put some headphones on you, and it's like the intro to this podcast, and you're like, oh my god, you started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. I was I was actually inspired that you started a podcast. I ended up starting a like an Instagram channel for my my golf. Your golf obsession. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, which has been an obsession for for years and years and years. Um, I've played competitive golf since I was eight. And I, I know like this has nothing to do with video games, but um, but yeah, I don't know. After after seeing you just randomly start a podcast for this uh, for this video game that you love, I was like, you know, well, I wanted to start a YouTube channel about 
my golf, but uh, I decided, well, let me do an Instagram one instead because I just like wasn't going to launch. Yeah, it wasn't going to involve so much editing and things, and it would be more fun. And, and it's actually been really good. You know, yeah. yeah. You are at Neon Golfer. Yep. Yep. At Instagram. So uh, I kind of make this makes me think that that in a small way we are like Deacon and Sarah in that we have very different interests and you know I'm kind of the biker bad boy type you, you, bad girl I guess yeah <laughs> you're, you're you're definitely more the bad girl type but and um, you're a metallurgist you're a forensic a engineer you're a scientist but you know I, I still ride motorcycles and you don't true true you do have a Honda <laughs> 72 Honda 450 yeah, yeah. so it's not not quite as badass as Deacon's bike, but it's it's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty Your cool. bike is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, was, it, it does make me think about their relationship in the way that the two opposites, or or at least two two similar personalities, but that have different points of view, can really inspire each other. And I think that is the key to Deacon and Sarah's relationship. That yes, they are different people, but they're both adventurous, kind of a little bit weird. And they both just inspire each other and push each other out of their comfort zones. And that's something that I think is just really important. Yeah, that, that's what matters in a relationship, you know, whether there's zombies outside or not. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counterarguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. Weaver out.